we are short on supply. We're, we're not going to have enough supply to vaccinate everyone who could be eligible for this vaccine and who could benefit it from, certain, from it, certainly. The federal government this week on December 1st is going to make recommendations. The Vaccine Advisory Committee that advises CDC will make recommendations on who should get the vaccine first, the so-called 1A group, the people who should get it immediately when it becomes available, hopefully in, in December, if there's one or more authorization of vaccines this month, including from the company I'm on the board of, Pfizer. That's going to be healthcare workers and, and residents of long-term care facilities. So there's about 20 million healthcare workers who might be eligible and about 3 million residents of long-term care facilities and staff of those facilities. Those will be the first group of patients who get access to it. Um, that's pretty much decided. They're going to vote on it this week, but I wouldn't be, I'd be very surprised if they deviate from that. Okay, so uh, the va- that's Scott Gottlieb, who we've aired a lot since this thing started because he's turned out to be right a whole bunch of times. Um, the vaccine is coming out in December in a couple of weeks, and uh, you need to be 1A. And if radio talk show hosts aren't 1A, well, I don't know what the 1A list is for. Then we strike. Exactly. M- might we be in the second tranche, or at least the first tranche of people who use the word tranche? Well, we we not that this is about us, but people like us were deemed essential workers, so we got around the stay-at-home orders. Well, Did again, I put you the, on some the list? mistakes made in the early days of coronavirus. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> hey, it's good news, though, uh, beyond question. Do you want to play the second tranche uh, clip? I mean, because those of us who are not in the first tranche. I've never used that word in my life, and I feel like I'm going to try to keep that streak going. <laughs> play 34. Why not? But there's only going to be 40 million doses available um, throughout the whole month of December if both companies get authorized on time. So there's probably not enough vaccine to work fully through both of those groups. And then there's a question of who's going to be in that second tranche, what we're calling 1B. And there is some debate Mm -hmm. whether that's going to be older Americans, those over the age of 65 or 75, or certain essential workers or some combination of both. There's about 85 million essential Mm -hmm. workers who might be eligible to be vaccinated if you if you bifurcated to that group and there's mm-hmm. about 50 million people over the age of 65 20 million over the age of 75 yeah. and so that's going to be some debate about which group gets prioritized first i'm clearly a 4f um i haven't heard anybody mention teachers is there a reason for that probably because there hasn't been a huge problem with teachers getting sick and dying because the kids are just not good vectors well but the schools are closed a lot of places and <laughs> the excuse is the covid so don't you get around that um, getting the schools open back up by, by giving the teachers the shot? Well, the policymakers who are slaves to the unions know that the shot won't really make a difference because the risk isn't that high. And so they're not going to advocate, we've got to give it to the teachers, must give it to the teachers, because then the medical experts will come out and say, not really, no, you don't. The schools are pretty safe, and they'll be ex- exposed for having kowtowed to the unions, I think. Hmm. But this shall unfold in front of us. Good news from Moderna, one of the leaders in the race for the coronavirus vaccine. They announced they would file today for regulatory clearance, which is one of those many bureaucratic steps they have to take to having the coronavirus actually jabbed into my arm. Their vaccine was 94% effective at preventing illness in a 30,000-person clinical trial. It was pointed out by the CDC. uh, Actually, it might have been the Surgeon General yesterday who i heard on fox news who's who's not great oh my he, god he doesn't exactly inspire confidence mm. in me uh, anyway um he pointed out that this vaccine has been tested on many many multiples more people than any previous vaccine anyway um here's a question that i don't think i've heard uh addressed 
do you have any, do you get any benefit out of that first shot? Or do you have to get both of them before you've, you've got the, uh, what you're looking for? Because if it takes the, to the second shot, then we're not going to see any um, benefit for the country for the three weeks after people start getting shots. Right. Since it's three weeks in between shots. Okay. I, would, I would also like some clarity when people are talking about uh, how many doses are going to be available, because a lot of these are, like you just mentioned, a, a double-dose yeah. vaccine. Does that mean that the actual number of people is half, or are they, are they just using doses as like a colloquial uh, people That's getting a, uh, treated for this? Well, and another thing, I, I think I remember, it's not two shots of the same thing. Although I could okay. be wrong on well, this. It, well, if I you're right about wrong, that. But they are manufacturing the second stuff uh, as fast as they're manufacturing the first. That was the whole point of Operation Warp Speed. Huh. But if it doesn't take effect until you get the second shot, then we're not going to come out of this blitz of COVID anytime soon. No. No, probably not. Uh, the, I keep hearing late spring, early summer for average doofuses like ourselves to get the first round. And so three weeks to a month later, you get the second round. So who knows? I don't know. I'm out of the prediction game. But this is good news from Moderna. Just some of the particulars. Uh, they gave 30,000 people. Well, they had 30,000 people in the clinical trial. Half of them got the placebo. Half of them got the, uh, got the actual vaccine. And where's that number? Um, there were only 30 cases of severe COVID-19 out of 30,000 people, which is interesting in itself. And zero of those serious cases had gotten the vaccine. A, a 6%, I guess, of the people who got uh, the actual vaccine got the COVID, but it was a very mild case. And, you know, I, again, I'm way out of my depth here, having taken like two biology classes in college. But um, they're thinking that even if you get it, this one protects it from getting very far into your system. So anyway, and again, uh, I realize doctors are cringing at my <laughs> medical idiocy. But but so uh, for normal people, we're not going to be getting it for months. Right. Wow. So it would seem, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then, you know, if you want to really get off on a tangent, we could talk about the future of the American workplace, which was a topic that came up surprisingly often um, in real life. Uh, well, I was on vacation. Judy and I were traveling, exploring uh, the beautiful southeastern part of the United States. But um, uh, it, it came up over and over again. Is this permanent? To what extent this is permanent? Restaurants, theaters, uh, commercial space, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, it's, but keeping in mind on the COVID thing, just to wrap up the conversation for now, uh, 99.5% of people who get it live. Right. So, uh, yeah. I mean, your your chances are better than being an Iranian nuclear scientist, <laughs> I think. Significantly better. So, yeah. I just I just don't want that thing that affects your uh, ability to concentrate and all the neurological stuff, because I'm on the or ragged edge as it is. Or breathe. Well, yes, yes, clearly that one. Uh, so when sh should I pay off the smartest dog breeds now or after the break? What do you uh, think? Because we've reviewed the stupidest, stupidest dogs on earth. They're still good boys. It turns yeah. out George Clooney, George Clooney <laughs> cuts his hair with a Floby and has been for 25 years. No. Full team coverage on that story. Sexiest man on earth. Yeah. Cuts his hair with a Floby. <laughs> All right, I tell you what. Among what, other things on the way. All yes. right, why don't we, do, for once, take a break on time. Okay. 
And then, oh, uh, I got yes. another good tease, too. Yes, yes. Have you ever lied to someone about the quality of their cooking? I'll bet there's a certain number of people listening right now who lied to somebody about how good the food was. 100%. And by the way, I, th- and I think you should. You should yes. lie to people. You should lie to people, pro, yes. Pro-lying, okay. <laughs> yes. Anti-truth. Is that what you tell your children? All right. <laughs> All of that stuff's on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Rand Paul, the senator, is out saying, Dr. Fauci owes an apology to every single parent and school-age child in America. We'll dig into that story coming up. Also, the story in the New York Times that made me the angriest over our time off. Get to that coming up in just a few minutes. Wow. Look forward to anger. Plus, who is Neera Tandon, and why is everybody practically left right and center saying no after old uncle joe biden nominated her to run the office of management budget uh this woman is a treat holy cow if you don't know her act stay tuned for that won't ye let me wrap up finally our assessment of dogs and their obedience slash intelligence the dumbest dog was? Well, uh, the, the Afghan hound. The Afghan hound is a dumb, dumb dog. Which is in, in no way. Right now. You would no, adopt it. it. <laughs> so why, Sean? Just so you feel smarter than something? Or no, because he's a good boy. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, so you got your, your Afghan hound, your bulldog, your chow chow, your bloodhound. They just don't care what you think. Gotcha. And just for a little perspective. I don't care what they think either. Yeah. So. Uh, it takes 80 to 100 repetitions or more to teach them a new command, and they obey a quarter of the time or worse. All right? So here's your smartest, your brightest dogs. They understand new commands in less than five repetitions. Wow. Make a cake. <laughs> Chocolate. And they obey the first time you command them 95% of the time or better. Yeah, I think those are two completely different things. Uh, well, yes. I, th- I think a smarter dog would think, I'm, no, I'm not going to sit. Why would I? There's nothing in it That's for me. That's just like your opinion, man. Yeah, exactly. No, you know nothing about dogs. These are experts, Jack. Experts rating the dogs. So you're. Uh, let's count up from uh, from number 10, shall we? There it is. The Australian cattle dog. There you go. I have, I have one of those, I think. the <laughs> You probably ought to check. I mean, for one, you'd want to feed it. Does uh, that have an accent? <clears throat> Number uh, nine. Yes, it does. <laughs> I don't think you guys are taking this seriously. Number nine, the Rottweiler. Mm. Fine dog. One of the and best it's... dogs I ever had was a Rot. Yeah, a my lovely dog. My wife had a half Rottweiler, uh, and it was fantastic. Is that the dog our buddy Pat Walsh has? Yeah. Yeah, fine dog. Uh, the Papillon. I don't know from the Papillon. Uh, number seven, the ever-popular Labrador Retriever. Mm. I've often said, if you can't train a lab, it's because you're not trying. Number six, the Shetland Sheepdog. Number five, super popular is the hard guy dog of the 70s. I remember it when I was a kid. The Doberman Pincher. Ah, very bright dog. There's a Loyal. miniature version of those I saw at the Westminster Dog Show as we were watching it, and a miniature one is called a Min Pin. Mm. 
Mm, not out of my mouth, it's not. <laughs> Number four. Dorman's also just uh, based on the cartoons I watched as a kid, most likely to be guarding a uh, like a junkyard. Yeah, exactly. Uh, oh, yeah, they actually they did. Yeah, or or stand-ins for Nazis in your metaphorical cartoons, which is unfair. Uh, the, uh, at number four, laughing at the Labrador Retriever, who's in seventh, is the Golden Retriever. Mm. Number three, jawohl, we're back to the Germans, it's the German <laughs> Shepherd. So you got the German Shepherd and the Doberman Pinscher in the top five. I mean, way to go, Germany. Number two. Be prepared so- if you own a, a, a German <laughs> Shepherd. Those, uh... Brilliant, great dogs, but uh, they can get into mischief should they not be uh, mentally satisfied. I've always wanted one. They look like such regal beasts, but I just don't know if I'm man enough. Well, I don't want to give away the punchline. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll wait, but you're absolutely right, Sean. Absolutely right. And all of these dogs are really close to tied for number one. I'll tell you this. So number three, German Shepherd. Number two, the Poodle. The Humble Poodle. Yeah, get it out of here. Really? I was disgusting. What a disgusting-looking and acting dog. This is anti-poodle racism. And number one, number one, Baxter is half of this. Her half of Baxter is this, the Border Collie. You're a genius. So my dog is half of number one and half of number seven. Uh, that reminds me. You- and, and you need to keep him busy and occupied. And uh, and he is he's like a really bright kid. Yeah. Uh, you got to stay on top. I want a dumb dog. I want a dumb dog that's perfectly OK with just laying around. He's got no aspirations or whatever. Just going to lay there. Works out perfectly. <laughs> Where, where's the sun shining? I'm going to yeah, lay there. Yeah, that, that's the dumb dog I want. Um, uh, you playing that Barack Obama clip reminded me I started reading his book a little bit over the break. I'll have to talk about that later. His 700-page, one-of-two-volume books. Oh. Um, uh, more on that later. But here's a story from the New York Times that made me the angriest, mostly because uh, of the way they presented it. The headline, I don't have the headline in front of me, but it was something like, um, despite... Uh, What's the term uh, for common knowledge? Uh, conventional thinking. Despite conventional thinking, it turns out private gatherings do not spread the coronavirus. And that headline grabbed my attention because I thought, yeah, we've been saying this for quite a while. We're wondering if that's true or not. In the article, it actually said, are dinners and backyard barbecues really the engine driving the current surge of infections? The available data do not support that convention, scientists say. Still, the idea has been repeated so often, it's become conventional wisdom, leading to significant restrictions in many states. Oh, for God's sake. The, it's been repeated by you. you That's what made me so mad. <laughs> you can't repeat a story over and over that, turn, that it, it turns out to be false, and then do a headline saying, it's been repeated so much, people are starting to believe it, but it turns out it's actually not true. <laughs> You're the ones who've been telling everybody this for Ugh. weeks. And the various politicians who've been saying it over and over, call them out for it. Call out the various politicians that were going against the science and saying this. Uh, reading we're going to follow the science. Reading from the article, many op- epidemiologists are far less certain, saying there's little evidence to suggest that household gatherings were the source of the majority of infections since the summer. Indeed, it has become much harder to pinpoint any source of any outbreak now that the virus is so widespread and Americans may be exposed in so many ways. Oh, yes. boy. Yes. Even dumb talk show hosts, dumb as a shih tzu, have been <laughs> saying, uh, no, I don't think this is really what's causing the problem. Or how do you know that? Right. 
Well, and do and, you show me the evidence that says that having the restaurant at 50% capacity is significantly different than 25% capacity. You don't have any. And what's extraordinary to me is it's pretty clear that everybody's guessing, at least to some extent, lack of data or whatever, and, and difficulty in contact tracing. But where are the people, and there are so few of them, who say, listen, we've got good data. We don't have great data. We think this is going to be more dangerous for these reasons. So, you know, be careful at your Thanksgiving gathering. You don't get that sort of measured. You're an adult. I'm an adult. Here's the best thinking. Um, you don't get that message. You get that. Don't show up to Thanksgiving. You got to eat outside. You know, you just you get orders barked at you by people who lost their credibility like four rounds of saying stupid stuff ago. Yeah. yeah. And that's the other part of it is uh, the, the damage that has been done to any credibility from any of these experts by uh, telling it this crap that turns out not to be true. Well, of course, we're not reacting when you say don't do this or do that, because you've been wrong over and over again. Yeah. Or I come across articles like that in the New York Times. You know, actually, scientists say there's no data to show that people getting together in their houses has caused a spike in coronavirus. So turn never mind. Never mind all that talk for weeks and weeks and months and months. And by the way, I am biased. I admit that. But I was catching up on the news yesterday and I took in a bunch of interviews with a bunch of governors. Gavin Newsom of California was by far the worst. I mean, not even close. You couldn't train him to sit or chase a ball. If he was at the Westminster Dog Show, he'd have been the dog that took a dump in front of the head judge. He's the the best looking. He looks the most like a president. (laughs) All right, fine. That's the world we live in. Fine. Quit telling me to not have gatherings until you get some data to back it up, all right? Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I gained about four pounds. Wow. About a half a pound a day and eight days off. Please. I thought I was impressive. I'm a child next to you. Yeah. Two and a half. Yeah. Well, I, 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 yeah, it's, it's such, such the thing with weight loss and everybody knows this. You, uh, you, you will gain your weight back if you lose weight. And I was at the lowest weight I'd been in maybe 30 years. On Wednesday morning. Wow. Okay. And uh, and because I was below my normal weight, anything over it, your body just can't get more excited about holding on to. Yeah. That's why it's almost impossible to lose weight and keep it off, according now, to was, all the experts. I was going to say, I had the advantage because I still drink. And there are plenty of uh, calories and alcohol, but as you pointed out, I tend to, you know, I'll have a purple dessert. If I'm if I'm drinking wine, I'm not going to have a big old piece of pie or something. No, I like never that. ate desserts when I drank. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I had apple and pumpkin pie at least four days in a row. <laughs> oh, Multiple I times. Simultaneously jealous and relieved that I didn't. You go, you go on a la mode with those. You throw in some ice cream. No, on top. no, oh. I didn't do that. Okay. Ah, come on, I'm not a glutton. Some <laughs> be ridiculous. Sean, I had to, we I first time in my life, and yeah, we'll we'll get to the important news stuff like this this uh, witch that Biden nominated to his cabinet. Wow, uh, near a ten. Wow. That's, that, no, I uh, I'm sorry. Wow. I apologize to our Wiccan friends for using that term to refer to this walking, talking pile of garbage. Wow, she's a witch. <clears throat> yeah, geez, I don't know. 
but over vacation, I had my first ever restaurant Thanksgiving. Mm. How was that? It was good. It was really good. Had mm. prime rib. For mm. Thanksgiving? Yeah. You just don't care about pilgrims, do you? Eh, not much. Wow. No. That's just... But I, I was reminded that just because, oh, my God, I had a slice of pumpkin pie with, like, French vanilla ice cream. Celebrating the French's assistance and winning our freedom. Um, that was just, oh, my God. It's a good thing. It was, if it had been 14 times its size, I would have consumed the entire thing. If they just brought me out like four pies and a gallon of ice cream without explanation, I'd have thought, okay, this is what I'm going to eat. Then. That would be exactly that would be a good experiment for a psychology department to do. It's kind of what they do at Applebee's. How big a serving can we bring out? And people will still eat it like it's reasonable. <laughs> well, Twelve hours later, it's a, an experiment for the proctology department. Anybody ask for a takeout container? No, no people, not a one. People are still eating the whole thing. Okay, yeah. make the burgers even bigger. America. And then you bring it out with what? Put burger? another bun right in the middle of the burger. More fries? It's like enough fries for five people. They ate them all. Bring them anyway. <laughs> no matter what, you're right. On in many cases. Whatever the serving is, that's how much I'm going to eat. Right. The, or the American people were hungry for justice. We're hungry for freedom. Is and we're hungry for food. Is there a limit to the size of the piece of chocolate cake they could bring out that it would get finished? I don't think there probably is. Probably not. And and if there were, you know, you finally give up. The guy at the next table will say, hey, you going to finish that? <laughs> that's all right. I'll use your fork. Oh, man. So, okay. I'm looking at uh, Robbie Suave's Twitter feed. He uh, writes for Reason.com. He's a uh, friend of the Armstrong and Getty Show. He says, Biden's selection of Neera Tandon, she's, well, I'll explain who she is, uh, but for uh, to run the office management budget, is yet more confirmation that we're about to have a very offline president, i.e. he is either unaware or doesn't care about the constant slew of toxic Twitter drama in which Tandon was involved. Um, I'm perfectly okay with uh, people not caring or being unaware of Twitter drama all the way around. I don't see any downside to that. Yeah, I'd say it's mostly upside, although, well, I hesitate to even say that, say this, but you do occasionally realize someone's stripes because they will tweet things that they won't say to a TV reporter and reveal their true horrors. On the other hand, the rules of Twitter are set by the hardest core Twitter Puritan Nazis. Yeah. yeah. Twitter is not real life. Social media is not real life. And it and it, it, it has really warped a lot of people's um, a view of, you know, what is controversial and what is not, or how many people believe this or how many people believe that. On the other hand, Twitter does do some uh, news reporting in its own way uh, in a way that the mainstream media has just decided to abdicate the abdicate their role as uh, uh, being any opposition to power because they hated Trump so much for so long. The Biden rollout has been just it's embarrassing. I'm embarrassed for Face the Nation and the Washington Post and the New York Times, their way they're treating this incoming president. It's embarrassing. Why did you get into journalism if you're going to treat it this way, just so, the high knee kissing, the softballs. Yeah, the softballs. So Bi Biden rolls out his, uh, you know, all his cabinet picks and all that sort of stuff. And he's got most of them out there now. And there was no um, 
looking into these people's backgrounds or presenting any of the, on the other hand, this or this could be a point of controversy, zero on any of the talk shows yesterday. They they went over some of the picks that he's come up with. For instance, his secretary of state. I don't have the guy's name uh, in front of me right now. Uh, maybe you can, somebody can look that up. Uh, the secretary of state dude. But uh, so... On Face the Nation, I think it was, they talked about the dude, and he has a band, and his kids think he's the best cook in the house. And st- it was st- it was softball oh, stuff like that. That's and, nice. And nobody mentioned he was in favor of the Iraq War. He he differed with the Obama administration, and had, he thought we should have gotten heavily involved in Syria. Those are the kind of questions that you should ask the the Biden administration, or or uh, getting in, into surrogate conversations with. Wow. So this guy was even harder core than the policies we saw from the Obama administration that so tangled the Middle East. Well, Anthony Blinken. Yeah, Anthony Blinken. He was hardcore um, uh, in favor of the war in Iraq. And okay, that's fine. Um, But Barack Obama wasn't and that's really why he got elected or that's why he got nominated i mean that was a huge story fairly recently sure and um where are you you know joe 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 biden just picked somebody that was pro the iraq war that was a disqualifying position for a democrat just a few years ago right that seems like a topic of conversation but (laughs) at least ask the question yeah he wanted us to bomb syria when they crossed the red line of using chemical weapons he was a bomb syria barack obama decided not to yeah. Um, you got to ask that question and not go with a. He's got a band. He actually plays a musical <laughs> instrument, and the kids think he's the best cook in the house. Yeah, oh boy. So getting back to this Neera Tandon woman um, and, and, and similar treatment, I remember NPR was just gushing this morning about, oh, these people are women, and she's the first Indian American ever. And look, there's the black That's fella. That's the only coverage. The, the with, only yeah. coverage has been first the first woman this, the first Indian American that. Okay, that's fine. That's fantastic. But then get to the real stuff, their positions. And if they're at, at odds with the, the, the president or past positions, ask them about it the way you did with Trump. Well, and this is a beautiful illustration of how insidious the fixation on race can be. You ignore all the relevant questions, all the really troubling stuff, and just celebrate the color of their skin. I mean, it's it, it as racist as it can be. But Glenn Greenwald did some great writing about this Neera Tandon character. And I will quote Mr. Greenwald. The announcement that Joe Biden intends to nominate Neera Tandon as a director of Office of Management and Budget, a critical position overseeing U.S. economic and regulatory policy, triggered a wide range of mockery, indignation, and disgust from both the left and the right. That should not be surprising, though a thoroughly mediocre and ordinary D.C. swamp creature from the perspective of both ideology and competence, Tandon's uniquely unhinged, venomous, corrupt, and pathologically dishonest conduct as a Clinton family and DNC apparatchik and president of the corporatist and despot-funded Center for American Progress. That's funny. It was characterized as a left-leaning think tank on NPR. Uh, Has earned her a list of enemies far longer and more impressive than her accomplishments. When news of her appointment broke, many of the journalists and activists she has spent years abusing, slandering, and lying about instantly stepped forward to compile just some of her worst political and behavioral lowlights. Blah, blah, blah. She's probably not going to get... 
approved by the Senate. And there's some thinking that and you do this sometimes in contract negotiations. You say, all right, I want uh, seventy five thousand dollars a year and a, uh, a free African lion delivered to my house every other month. And they'll say, <laughs> you're not getting it. Request. <laughs> well, it is certainly. And they'll say, you're not getting any damned lion. You'll say, OK, then how about six weeks of vacation? It's just it's a stalking horse, as they say. But. Um, uh, Sanders people hate her. So she was the attack dog for the Clinton family to try to tear down Sanders uh, last time around. But so you're thinking they, Bernard Sanders, they may have thrown out this name. They get beat up for a while and then they take somebody that would have been controversial if you hadn't introduced this lady first. Right. But would be acceptable compared to her. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. No, I, I won't stab theory. you in the liver. I'll punch you in the face. I hadn't okay. Heard, Finally. I hadn't, I hadn't heard that. Theory. Something sensible. But this Greenwald stuff is too good to leave out. Do we have time? Yeah. Just for a second. The list of sociopathic and even monstrous acts from Tandon is too long to list comprehensively. She punched one of her own employees. She uh, actually punched somebody? After. Wow. Well, hold on. What'd they do? <laughs> it's a, a, a reporter from the former Think Progress blog who had the temerity to ask Hillary Clinton in 2008 about her support for the Iraq war. So Tandon punched the guy. In 2011, as the Obama administration was participating in the NATO bombing of Libya, Tandon suggested in internal discussions that the U.S. steal Libya's oil as a way of reducing the U.S. budget deficit so more can be spent on welfare programs. And Glenn points out, I was only able to report on this because Tandon had abused and alienated so many of her employees that they worked together to leak her incriminating emails to me. I don't mind stealing other countries' oil. I'm with her on that. I wouldn't have used it for that, though. <laughs> well, uh, her I guess her superior replied to her proposal, I don't think it's fair that we create our own domestic problems than ask other nations to pay for it. You see the adverse incentive problem here, right? If we think we can make money off an incursion, we'll do it. It's a serious policy messaging moral problem for our foreign policy, I think. And it goes on and on and on. I will tell this you, this woman has no soul. Well, I'll tell you, taking in some of the uh, the Sunday shows and that sort of stuff, none of your, you know, Bigfoot press, as they call them, uh, had any interest in the questions like this about any of the names that have come out over the last several days for the Biden administration. It was just puff piece stuff and and uh, identity politics stuff. Wow. It's the first time a woman wow. has ever had this position. First time a black woman, a first time an Asian woman or whatever. That's all fantastic, but you got to get into their their various backgrounds. And listen to this in the wake of the Me Too movement. There's a great story about the, the big Me Too organization, how they've been squandering their money on salaries and luxuries. Anyway, that to come. But So there's a uh, sexual harassment allegation at the center where she was working, the think tank. And she named the anonymous victim in an all-staff meeting, causing audible gasps and horror in strict, complete flaming violation of the company policies. Wow. She said, yeah, it's Jenny. Jenny is always complaining. She's the one. And so this woman, she is a monster. Wow. But I suspect she'll be uh, going nowhere but back to some ridiculous communist think tank where she belongs. Really? So you think she was actually thrown out there as a... Uh... To kind of uh, a, a release valve before you get the person that uh, you really want. Well, there are signs of that. I mean, for instance, John Cornyn of Texas, who's a, a good, solid conservative, but a very reasonable guy, said Tandon stands zero chance of being confirmed by the Senate. Oh, OK. Well, 
That so, that that's the end of that. Then go back to your slimy hole, uh, Nira, and then just go away. Leave us alone. Have you ever lied to someone about the quality of their cooking? I think everybody has. Haven't I, they? I hope you have. Yeah. Why would you? Be I'm honest? afraid I overcooked these pork chops. No, they're no. Mine's great. What <laughs> kind of person doesn't lie? About right. the person who just cooked An you a honest meal. person. <laughs> <laughs> this is why you don't have a long-term relationship, Sean. No, but I have a firm relationship with the truth. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Don't say a word. The last one still stays. Here it goes! So, yes, folks, we thaw our turkey in the pool. That's how you do it when you live in Florida, right? Tomorrow morning, we'll take that out. That's it. That's some, the whole thing. man who throws his turkey in the pool. So, that's a guy who thaws his turkey in the swimming pool. That's actually a pretty good idea. Is it? Is it not? Why Seems not? like it would work pretty well. It's wrapped in plastic in this scenario, right? Does that stop pool chemicals? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. He's not dead. God, I got a story. I'm trying to decide whether I should throw it out there or not. I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> well, when I've told this sort of story in the past, it horrifies some people. Um, we're on all over the country. There are parts of the country that would not think twice about this. I mean, it would. this is like, it's not even interesting enough to... to you would wonder why I would even mention it. And then there we're on the air in parts of the country where it would just be so horrifying. How dare I be on the air? Wow. Now I'm intrigued. I shot an uppity rooster over the uh, Thanksgiving break. <sighs> well, I mean, it's kind of keeping with tradition. Apparently he's decided to tell the story, folks. <laughs> uppity? Well, he, he attacked Laura, and then we were worried he was going to attack the kids or... Uh, and so I shot it. Goodbye, barnyard. Hello, plate. Well, we didn't eat it, but uh, yeah, you can't. It's a waste of a turkey or you, rooster. You can't be attacking my family members. No, no, no. You can't. No, exactly not. And we got more roosters than we need. And and as I, I looked up the statistics as usual, because because I don't remember who who somebody made a comment about it. The hundred some million. Chickens that we they slay every single day in this country, right. hundreds of millions, and I shoot a rooster. It's controversial. I know we'll get complaints about that because we have in the past. But uh, as my wife tweeted out, KFC, she wrote, but um, <laughs> as long as it wasn't rooster cogburn, I think you're on solid footing. <laughs> to do it in front of the other roosters to let them know? Um, oh, yes. Boy. Actually, the, uh, the the chickens did cower after this. <laughs> you know, I had my kids watch, and they were kind of interested in it and everything like that, and we thought it was a good idea for them to watch to understand. Here's the controversial part. <laughs> this is what the emails are going to be about. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. So as I shove the gun into the child's hand. No. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Um. We, we, I thought it would be a good idea. They were kind of curious about it to uh, to understand the whole danger of guns, how violent guns are, oh. how how the reality of something is alive one second and not the next second, and how mm. loud they are, and all the things that go with the guns. 
it, uh, it, it, the, the, the results certainly didn't seem to be they are more interested in trying to find a gun and play with it than they were before this happened. Oh, I can so, completely see that. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Next yeah. line is 415-295-KFTC. 415-295-KFTC. Uh, did I have something else? Oh, yeah, I did have this. Um, have you ever lied to someone about the quality of their cooking? And uh, you, you should. You should. You absolutely should. You're at grandma's house. You're at mom's house. You're, you're at friends get together. Why would you ever be honest about it? You're at a backyard barbecue at some friend's house. You're going to uh, how's your how's your sandwich? Kind of dry, actually. I think you overcooked it. I mean, what? what how what? are they going to be a better cook <laughs> if people just lie to them all the time? You know, that's actually that's actually a decent point. If everybody tells you your whatever is fantastic Where's your whole life. Where's the incentive for improvement? It's going to stay the same. Oh, please. So they give you a Christmas sweater and you say, this is ugly. It'll never be on me. Yeah. Next time, try giving me something that the recipient would want. <laughs> Anyway, 55% of people say they have lied about the quality of someone's cooking. Only 55? That astounds me. 34% know, 10% don't know. Don't know. Don't know. I will say that of the times I have lied about cooking, 95% of it has been turkey-related. I think that is probably my most lied about food. I will say without any particulars, because there are probably six to eight people listening right now who have cooked a Thanksgiving turkey that I have dined on. Um, only like twice in my whole life have I had a turkey that wasn't overcooked. <laughs> only like twice in my life where it wasn't dry, place, dry and overcooked. No. You talk about how good turkey is. I don't know. Every time I've ever had it, it's been overcooked. So. Man, I inject my turkey more often than a Seattle junkie. It's just full of delicious, savory, spicy flavor. Even the white meat is like Is there that. any moisture, though? Yes. Any moisture That's at all? That's what I'm saying. Oh, yes. Yeah. It'll change your life. Yeah. Turkey is dry as the Sahara Desert is the, the, the only thing I know about turkey. You drive a nail with it. <laughs> more on the way. Armstrong and Getty.